0: Hello, this is It's Technically Romance, where we take a look at Hallmark films from two different perspectives. One being mine, which is a somewhat cynical cinephile, uh, the other being
1: a hopeless romantic.
0: My name is Hamilton.
1: And I'm Stephanie.
0: And today we have a very special episode for you guys.
1: Yes, very special indeed. I'm still somewhat in shock. A blissful shock
0: yeah uh no it was it was it was awesome it was a great experience
1: yes we had the amazing privilege of sitting down and chatting with the very talented joshua sass
0: who plays your favorite character i think in a hallmark film which you know
1: yes the one and only Jacques and her pen pal so we were just thrilled
0: yeah it was just, just a great interview, uh, insightful. Uh, Joshua was com- extremely open, and honest, and uh, just a, a real pleasure, a real pleasure. So looking forward for you guys to hear this and, and hope you enjoy it as much as we did.
1: Yes, enjoy.
0: Hello,
2: my name is Joshua Sass, and I am a guest on It's Technically, Romance.
1: He said it right, too. Welcome, Welcome, like welcome
2: myself to the show.
1: <laughs> Thank you for being here. We loved her pen pal so much as you know so we're so happy to have you here um but we especially loved your character shock
2: good you're taking all the right boxes
1: <laughs> <laughs> um so we felt like this film was so special uh so how did you how did the role come to find you and how do you feel about joining the hallmark family
2: you know what it's a really funny one um, and <clears throat> people like I often ask you as an actor how you came across a role or why you're interested in a role. Let's just set the record straight. It's always the same reason. Food in belly, Ruth overhead, same story. I've been working as an actor for 18 years and I did, a lot of that was in theater. And I'm just, you know, you make a pretty stark, bold choice when you're young to kind of go on this roller coaster, and it's never gonna be definite work or anything like that. So I just sort of made a choice that I was just always really happy to work. And my friends at drama school that I was with, um, you know, most of them don't work or work incredibly hard in order to get a very basic job. So I've always just been of the theory that I'm just really, really happy to work and work begets work. And I love my job. So I'm just happy always to do it as long as the peripherals are right. You know, I want to make sure that I'm working with nice people and that the script is good. And I feel like I can do a good job So those three things. And then the last is always I try and do something that's very different from the last thing I've done. Um, Because I just sort of think that an actor should be. I like actors who are chameleons and you never know what they're going to do next. And you always feel like it's a reinvention. And that was this for me I you know I've always wanted I love doing accents and they're very challenging and that brings a different thing to it and um yeah I had a conversation with the director Claire and um on the phone because obviously I live in Australia so it was everything was done with a slight time delay but and um I just knew that the people involved were really fun and Mallory obviously I know from Galavant so I was just like this is going to be fantastic but it's a no-brainer
0: we
1: had never seen Gallivant before. We actually just watched some of it today. Oh yeah. Um, and it. A
2: curse on you for not seeing
1: it. I know. No, yeah. it was it was delightful. I was when I heard about it. I was like, why didn't we watch this? This sounds like right up our alley. Yeah,
0: it's a fun romp. Well, yeah. it, it, it's it's interesting. Just re- real quick, just on on Gallivant, like it felt like it was made almost yesterday. Like it almost seemed like so ahead of its time.
2: Mm, I think you know? I think that was part of the curse really is that it was ahead of its time and that is difficult for a network to try and work out what to do with. Exactly. Um, you know, and that was really, really tricky. And there are so many political things that go into that and just makes the decision-making process quite difficult, I think for executives, because it's, it was just so way, way ahead. You know, mm-hmm. it was the comedy style that like exactly so it was, you know, happening now and we were everything. I mean, I'd, I'd say half of everything that ended up in the edit was improv really yeah yeah big time wow you know which is very difficult to make and you've got to be very generous as a producer and a director working Mm -hmm. with that knowing knowing the scope of your your edit will end up being to trust the actors and trust you know you've got to edit a couple of episodes before you can kind of go oh this is really working let's let them fly and uh it was I mean obviously very difficult to shoot shoot something with music because we were doing the the singing was live and a lot of that's like you're doing a sword fight or you're on a horse and you're singing and <laughs> you know and, and then they're like how was that everyone like we're alive no one fell off the horse and then someone's there going Yeah but I'm pretty sure that was that that note was sharp.
1: So, you know oh, no. To me, that makes it better though. Cause then you like know that it's really happening yeah. you know. Like Ooh. you're not going to be perfect. I must
0: see, yeah, it right? must've been of just course. a huge challenge. Yeah.
2: I mean, I was perfect, <laughs> but
1: Obviously, that's yes, the, but line. The, the normal person. Yeah.
2: Everybody else. Right. Yeah. Correct. Um,
1: um, so was Mallory already assigned to this uh, project? In yeah,
2: this she was already project? attached. So, yeah. So I, she was, her name was already on it and um, we almost got cast in um, another show a year before which didn't end up going happening or i didn't end up getting um and so i just a couple of productions kept on trying to put me and mallory together and it was kind of a bit and i it just felt like um kismet or something
1: yeah i feel like that's what this film felt like yeah and we talk about that a lot on our podcast that some of these it just feels like the stars perfectly aligned and it's just like magic. Um, So how was that reuniting with her? Have you guys seen it, like not seen each other since? We've
2: seen each other a couple of times over the years. I don't live in LA anymore, so we don't see each other as as much, but um, I mean, look, I think to be honest, that's just a really testament. And like what you guys said in the podcast about really believing that everybody were friends. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's a testament to really fantastic casting and people who aren't just casting actors who they think will be the best for the role, but also who are going to energetically bounce off each other in a way that's going to be believable. And that's kind of rare because a lot of the time, you know, productions need a name. And then, you know, there are there are a load of hoops you've got to jump through. And I think it's difficult to jump through those hoops while at the same time keeping that background going. And I, they just nailed it. And, you know, it, it makes such a difference to the show when you have this grounding of belief that these people do know each other yeah absolutely. actually i think jane I jane and jane and lachlan had worked together as well actually
1: yeah the chemistry uh, with everyone was just incredible yeah. like i was like they really just seemed like a big group of friends
0: and yeah and that's one of the hardest things we, we talk about this in the podcast often is you know acting like you're your best friends with someone for like you know 12 years seems like the most difficult thing to me for some reason. Mm. You know, like with. I mean, maybe I'm wrong with that. You know, as an actor, is is that really hard, would you say? Or um
2: I think I think it's easier for people who have been in the theatre. Okay. Because you get you like there's a trust element to it. So you, you never fear um in an impro, a lot of it's impro as well. You know, that the ad libbing at the t- beginning and the end of a scene where you're smiling and you're joking and you're meeting and you're Doing all that stuff, I've I've always found that people have done theatre a lot better at that, huh. because theatre sort of demands that of you. But um, I think it's luck and and casting. I mean, you know, like I said, but I think it's just luck and depending how how actors are, and sometimes that chemistry just happens. Do you know what it is? It's like at school, sometimes your year at school just happens to be that year that everybody just gels and you talk about it for years and years and maybe your older brother or sister was at the same school and they were in a year and like oh I never talked to my class ever like we never it's just it just sometimes happens and this just happened to be one of these jobs where just we were on set you know and I'm not blowing smoke like I've done a lot of a lot of stuff over the years and it doesn't always happen at all mm. like sometimes the crew are just a really special crew because they've all worked together and there's this energy and sometimes the actors, and then sometimes it's everybody. And when it happens, it's just magic. And and it, I think that really pervades through the screen or if it's staged into the audience. People, you see it, you smell it. It's sort of, you know, you kind of get,
0: it's infectious, that energy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that analogy of the school. Cause I, yeah, I, I can totally see that now. Yeah.
1: Was there a lot of improv on her pin pal
2: or? Well, I think with, um, with, with those guys, yeah. Uh, you know in filling out a scene you know maybe maybe the lines are just hey hey going yeah i'm good we're off to the thing and they top and tail all of that dialogue with lovely bits and pieces whether it's physical stuff or little bits of speech speech and winks and you know subliminal stuff and they were just brilliant at it and i mean i i thought they all knew each other when we did the read through we were filming in um bulgaria we did a read through in the top floor of this hotel like apart from each other with masks and I thought they all knew each other so we, I like you know sold me on it.
0: Well <laughs> did you uh you know since this is your first Hallmark film did you do any any research did you watch any Hallmark films to kind of prepare for this or
2: no my um my uh, a sort of friend of a friend did a Hallmark movie earlier this year what the Irish one Alan Leach oh wow um,
0: yeah I would love that so
2: one. I knew a little bit about it and um, uh, I've, you know, I've seen them when I've been on aeroplanes and that sort of thing. And, you know, a film is a film, I think it's, it would be churlish or naive to sort of try and pigeonhole something and say, oh, this is a Hallmark movie. So that experience will be anything. I mean, for me, there's no question I got, this has been like the most pleasurable job I've I've ever done. And it, the fact that the Hallmark family are like, are a family and they're really, care about what they're doing and they care about their audience and they care about their actors and it's lovely it felt it felt quite like a theater company in that respect you know they, they want everyone to feel the best so they can get the best out of them i loved it I was great from start to finish that's awesome that's yeah. great to hear i mean that. that's
1: what we hear from everyone yeah like, it's like they're that famous makes the yeah. Like
2: they're like, yeah and you know what as you get older and not that i'm that old but you know being in the business a long time like it's really nice to do a job that's really nice is just a pleasure. And you know, to to now and then do a job that's just truly enjoyable at the same time and not because it is a very it can be a very stressful, pressurized experience, especially when you've got a time frame and what have you. Um and I never felt that at all on this. So
1: do you think you'll do more then?
0: If they yeah, asked if me, they I'd love you. to, yeah, absolutely. That
1: would be awesome.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. I mean you, you just you just nailed uh the role of Jacques like completely oh thank her. you yeah That's we right. said
1: that we felt like you were like the perfect like love interest oh. like the perfect male lead and your accent which I knew you weren't French going into it and I'm not an expert on French accents or anything but I felt like it was so naturally you like you just did it so well have you That's... like do you speak French like was that hard for you to do the accent
2: well my my um when I was growing up, my mum and my sister would speak French to each other so that I wouldn't understand them, <laughs> so I sort of like had to learn it ironically so that I could understand them you know, and I would go on holiday i'm not I'm not the best linguist in that and that, i'm just not i can't play the piano I can't do two things at once and my like i can bull 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 my way through it I don't want to swear on your podcast um but it sort of sounds like, i I tell you what it is, is I'm happy to go to France and speak the French that I speak, knowing that it's like a French person going, uh, like I'm, my, my declensions don't work. I don't care if I'm saying past, present, future, it's not important. And not in an arrogant way, I just, I know that I won't get it right. So it's okay if I'm like, hey, I I went to go to the place tomorrow and they're like, what the hell? It doesn't matter. Just generally I'm moving in that direction.
1: Yeah.
2: But I, I was a bad, um, I was a re- I am a bad dancer. Full disclosure. <laughs> and at drama school, you have to do dance class every week, and sometimes it's jazz or it's whatever it is, ballet, and da da da. And I've got two left feet and pigeon toe. I'm just terrible. So I went up to the the, um, the headmistress, who was a Quaker, and I said, "Look, I'm not any good. Really, really." doesn't matter how many classes you give me, I'm still going to be crap and I'm going to fail catastrophically. What if I learn an accent every week? And bless her, she was like, okay, sure. So you're going to have to come and then when everyone else is just doing their gl- dance class, you're going to have like a mini exam and we're going to do like an accent thing. So you'll have to learn a speech, an accent. And if you fail that week, you do it again the next week until you get that accent and then we can move on. And so... I'd like go to pubs or restaurants or whatever, and I'd just be that. I'd just do an accent for as long as it took me to get it. And so, I love accents.
0: That's incredible. That's so that's so great that they let you do that. You know.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, don't forget it's because I'm a terrible dancer. It's sort of (laughs)
0: like. It all it all worked out because you nailed this accent.
2: Yeah. Did you ever see what was that? Um, the uh the other guys with Will Ferrell and. Yes, I have. Yes. Oh yeah. 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 And he goes into the ballet studio. And he like does a whole part of ballet, da, da, da. And she's like, where did you learn, where did you learn to do that ballet? And he was like, well, I did it to sort of take the piss out of all those guys. And she was like, you learned ballet ironically? <laughs> I sort of felt it like that with French.
1: Well, you did a very great job. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, I was convinced that you were French. So I believed in that character so much. Um, so talking about that role, I've watched a few of your things now. I recently watched uh, some of No Tomorrow also, which I'm really enjoying, but I've noticed like some of the roles, there's like a pattern of your characters or it's all like very much rooted in love and fighting for love and chasing after love. Um, so is that something that you like are knowingly drawn to or is that just a coincidence or?
2: I suppose it must be. I mean, I don't know. I think in a way, I guess I keep on getting cast as these sort of carefree, loving, romantic characters. I mean, you know, you do get pigeonholed if you're... I, I always do it like, you know, you're either a, a Romeo or you're a Mercutio or, you know, or you're like the Merchant of Venice. Like, there's always... You kind of... People like to pigeonhole you and, and it works in a way because but if you look a certain way, you'll get cast a certain way. And look, I've tried it. I've I grew a huge beard and I shaved my head. And like I've I've tried to do the character stuff. And <laughs> my agent was like, this, "It's not going to happen. People don't see you like that. Stop." And I mean, I don't know. I'm I guess I'm a bit like that. Like I'm a total soppy romantic. And you know, I I guess I, I guess that sort of bled through. It's my fault.
1: No. I love it personally, I and I think all of the characters are actually very different, but they're just like rooted in that, that love is like at the center, which I think is beautiful.
2: Mm. I think that everyone's a soppy romantic, you know, especially like the biker leather jacket. Um, what are they called? Hell's Angels. Like I reckon that even like they're the soppiest ones of the lot. <laughs> And so everyone, when they're watching a film, you know, you get to vicariously live through these characters and everyone really is this total romantic, even the biggest cynics. So, you know.
0: No, I think it, that's absolutely true. And I think that's what, what makes Hallmark so special is because they just, they ho- hone in on that romance, you know, it's right at the yeah. front. Yeah. You know?
2: Like my wife said it when we were watching, she was like, oh, it's so nice. Everyone's just such good friends. And And I was like, that's, you know, that's a really special thing. A, a friend of mine on Gallivant he called me up, um, God, this was a few years ago, but he called me up and he we'd we'd been given a a sneak peek of what was being released and he called me up and he said, oh God, I'm really, I'm just not sure about the performance. I just don't know if I did a good job. I could have done better. And I was always told by a drama school that it's, it's not about, you know, it's not about what you're feeling and it's not about whether you think you look good. It's the fact that you're transporting somebody else away from their life. And while you're looking at what you're doing with your face or your body or your accent or your comedic timing or whatever, you're taking somebody out of, you know, they're probably watching that film because they they need the escape. And that's a really special thing. And that's a tonic, a medicine that you're giving. And, you know, just like back in the day with the Globe, Shakespeare's Globe on the banks of, you know, the river in London, 1560 or whatever it was you know, people went there to not think about their shitty life and eating parsnips and drinking muddy water, whatever, and it sort of just changes, you know, people still you know, like I do, we all do watch a movie or a TV show to not think about the fact that you've got to hang up 55 pairs of children's socks and change a nappy before you have your coffee And like so I just think it's like it's a real privilege and you have to just keep on reminding yourself that you're getting paid to do something you love and, you know like, my friend's a surgeon, segue, um, and he came to stay with us uh, over the weekend and um, I think i have been doing an audition that morning and it was really long and it was hard, whatever. And he said, how's it going? I said, yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good. How are you? He said, well, I had to cut these guys' legs off this morning and it was just a bit intense. I was like, oh. Oh, no. i like, okay, how, okay, is everything all right? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's fine, it's just, you know. had cancer and we got to a couple and and i was just just my jaw dropped i just had this and i'll never forget that and it was such a wake-up moment for me and i know everything's relative but i think you've got to be super aware as an actor that you are living a very very privileged life to be employed anyway but be doing a job where you're paid to essentially entertain people Mm -hmm. you know yeah, that's very. And true. even if they hate it, like at least you've elicited a response.
0: Ooh. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. I, I mean, think. what? So while you're making this, was there a particular scene that you did that really stood out for you? That was really enjoyable? A moment that really kind of spoke to you? That you're like, okay, this is it. I'm having a blast at this scene right here.
2: Yeah, in front of the Eiffel Tower. Okay. We um was extraordinary because obviously during. The pandemic and there was a huge lockdown in Paris at the time, um, it was empty. There was just nobody around and it was spring in Paris and it was just like it's never ever been empty before in spring, you know, apart from like World War Two and maybe when Napoleon was at war, like so it was just extraordinary and it was a pinch and also me and Mallory were having, Mallory were having such a good time and we were just pinching, we were just pinching ourselves and We were surrounded by police, riot police um, who were there because I think there was a demonstration on the way. And so it was extra lockdown and it was just too weird to have a set. That was like, we were working there. That was our workplace for the day. It was just mad, it was mad.
0: That's that's interesting. I mean, because I noticed that there weren't that many people there, it almost, Looked surreal to see the, the yeah. Tower and just like no think, one around it. Yeah, I think they were like, we're gonna have to superimpose, yeah, our background. <laughs>
2: Actually, some of our, I think some of our crew uh, were doing were doing background stuff like they're just quick, quick, go, handbag. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was really magical. Like it, that's not and like the last shot of the whole thing was the the Arc de Triomphe shot at night. That was the last shot we we made in the movie, and it was just. And it, you know, it almost like doesn't, in the movie I was like, God, it almost doesn't look like it's really there, but we were there. Yeah. And it was just, it's kind of, it's very overwhelming and you're very aware filming in a place like, you know, I never thought I'd film a film in Paris. Films aren't really made in Paris that often. You know, you could count on one hand and they're big, big budget movies normally. So it's, it was a dream. So like, you know, that's, I was up when I was acting growing up and I was in Wales, it was difficult just to get a play where you'd be seen by like maybe a sheepdog um, and an old farmer leaning on a stick who was probably asleep, like that really happened to me. A pinnacle would be like, if I got to travel for work, that would be, so I, yeah, it was just amazing,
0: really well, was. I think, I mean, again, going back to the performances, you know, I think you all felt that, that's what makes, makes this movie so special, is that mm. it just comes through in the acting and everything. Um, because this movie just seemed to just come off the screen. And we were live tweeting at the time and everyone was just saying, what a great job everybody was doing. Like it was-
2: Well, everyone was really just so full, it. Of, so full of fun. You know, Amy Louise Pemberton and, and Jane and Lachlan. I mean, they're, they're all very effervescent people. And like, it was, and the perfect balance of different character types of being around them was great. I mean, I, 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 they carry the movie for me. Also, they're also the hardest parts to play for sure, you know, and that's, it's like when you're coming up as an actor, it's much harder to not do nothing, but it's much harder when you've got less to say and you're in the background or you're waiting or looking and you're reacting is much harder because you've got to be on all the time and you're not using your, your speech to do it. You don't have language that's given to you to drive through the scene. You're just having to um, inhabit the character and, you know, that's a lot harder. So it takes... I actually think it takes more talent to do that really well and kudos so, to them
1: yeah that's an interesting way to look at it uh food you mentioned food earlier it was a big part of this movie uh, and one of our favorite scenes w- was when you were cooking in your outdoor kitchen which oh, we're yeah. now gonna try to recreate that at our house mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Or are you gonna <laughs> outdoor out. kitchen <laughs> it's gonna happen <laughs>
2: I hope it wasn't as cold as when we were filming because it was freezing. Oh, really? Is it's it? spring? Oh, my word. We were wearing thermals and shaking in between scenes. It was brutal. Poor Mallory. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, I
1: did see some behind the scenes photos. You guys were all wearing coats. So, yeah, I guess I forgot about that.
2: But... <laughs> oh, man. I don't know why it was such a cold snap spell. We were so unlucky. Well, we were really lucky in Paris. It was beautiful weather in Paris. But in
0: Bulgaria, it was just freezing. Oh, man. Oh, go on, sorry, I interrupted you. Oh, no, that's fine. Yeah, lo- I love any any sort of BTS stuff like that. love behind the scenes. Like, that, yeah. that's awesome. Just
1: throw it up. Um, but the food, you, you seem very natural in the kitchen. Uh, so we're just wondering if that was something that you do yourself. Are you really good at cooking? Do you have a favorite I, dish?
2: No, I eat cereal out of the box from dawn to dusk.
0: <laughs> just pour, pour, pour the milk right in the box and that's, just go to it.
2: <laughs> into the mouth, no milk required. No, I love cooking. I mean, like I say, because I've been an actor for so long that when you're on the road, um, I did theatre for sort of nearly 10 years. You know, I was like 15 out of, on the road and I had to sort of teach myself how to cook. And it's a, a couple of years of like having pesto pasta out of, a, out of a thing, you know, which is like go-to thing. It was in England when I was growing up because it was just cheap and easy. Eventually you just go, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to have to eat something but a cup of soup and instant noodles and... I just learned, I think I just learned by proxy like that because I had to, and you know, and you're always in a troop um, traveling with your friends. So you kind of rent a flat and sleep on the floor and you all have a kitchen. So it's just cheaper to do a meal together. And so if anyone's ever any good, you just go, right, they'll do it. Um, I think that's how, so I love, I love cooking, but look, I, that's not really anything to do with it. Like when, when you're doing a cooking scene like that, it's just gotta be so, 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 so rehearsed really, because, It's um, when you've got so many bits and pieces for camera consistency, you know, you can't just suddenly go to a different place because the lighting and camera and the camera guy's got to know where to go. So Mm. you've just got to rehearse it and go right on this line. I'm going to move this on this line, that, that, that. And it's just, it's just like a dance really. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah, We always talk about the details. That's (laughs) like our favorite parts of the movies. And we notice, or we try to like all the little details that make, a character feel real to us and in that specific scene i mentioned to him like victoria is like pouring you some wine and you just do like this little like your hand motion like oh that's good like that's enough <laughs> it's just like little things like i just i don't know we oh, i'm glad it you know this.
2: well it's funny because you know you do that was something that like i i always keep a little book with me that I have always done since drama school they encouraged it to note people's mannerisms and little things. And that was one of these things. I always I watched this guy at a cafe in uh, Exeter when I was growing up. And it was just one of these things. And I was, no, you know, I, I'm glad you noticed it because I, I think those things are, are nice sort of add-ins.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, they make the new character to come to alive,
2: so you know? With, do you know Willem Dafoe? Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh, I tell you. I just think he's the master and I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know why he's not talked about more because I think he's just a savant at these
0: minutiae genius things.
1: Oh, we're well, um, the lighthouse. We're the lighthouse. Like, he I talks mean, about yeah, that yeah. movie all the
0: time. Insanely good in that, and he he has oh, a theater background too. Awesome. Awesome. You know. Uh, yeah. Well, this is it, and I think the theater
2: brings that out because the audience are always watching you on stage, right? And like, I can't remember at drama School, someone said, um, these two guys from the background of the Shakespeare play, and they had nothing to do for, like, an hour. But they were supposed to be really involved and confused with this scene. And he was he stopped the rehearsal. He was like, guys, what are you doing? And they're like, well, we're just, you know, we're watching. They've been there for half an hour. He said, OK, this is what you're going to do. Work out how to thread an elephant through the eye of a needle. And then tell me, when you get off stage, how you are going to do it? And, you know, these guys were just... Wrapped and involved, and just you know, talk to each other. And so, what am I going What are you? Know? And it was just captivating. And so, I think you've got to, if you can fill the moments of nothingness with something intriguing, you sort of get an audience the the, the attention without stealing the show.
0: That's
1: um, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, what I mean, uh, do you have a favorite type of scene that you enjoy doing the most? Not just in this this film, but in any anything.
2: I mean, I'm really hyperactive. So I, I love, I love doing action stuff and anything running and jumping and all that sort of, thing. it's just, is really fun because it keeps you on your toes and it's sort of, this is really fun. I, there's not really another way to say it. Like that's just really fun. Um, I don't know. It's nice. I don't know. Do you know what? It really depends on who you're acting with because it's, it's all to do with reaction. And if you get someone who's just a really generous actor, it doesn't really matter if it's a, a love scene or a, an argument or a discovery or whatever. It's when you're with someone who you are able to lose yourself with. I think my favourite moment as an actor in my life was a amateur play I did of The Cuckoo's Nest yes. with a guy who was an actor. And I was playing McMurphy, Jack Nicholson's character, and he was playing the chief. And I was completely transported watching this guy, having this, listening to him on stage. And it's probably one of the only moments in my life where I just felt like I was in that world, I forgot. And he finished talking and I just, this flood came over me. I was like, where am I, oh my God, what are my lines? I don't know what's happening, you know? So that like, I wanna say, I wish it was one thing or the other, but really you just long for a moment like that, which is why people wanna work with great, you know, great actors and directors because that stuff comes about more often.
0: Well, I've heard that that phrase before, you know, working with with a generous actor. What, what exactly does that mean? I, we've never acted before. So what, when you, Next to someone as a generous actor, what are, they, what are they giving you that's making you come alive?
2: Well, I think they're not trying to win the scene, you know. And I think that's a really common fault sometimes is that you, you, you as an actor, me as Josh, want to come out on on top of the scene and you know and win it in a way. If I think that win it—that's the best way I can sort of say. It. And if you're generous, I suppose what people mean by that is that you give the other actor the space in which to fully find the honesty in that moment. And that means not encumbering them by, you know, maybe being distracting, but you, you, you give them your full attention from start to finish. Cause you might do a scene 50 times, you know, you'll start on a, uh, on a wide angle and then you'll do the reverse the same wide angle from far away. And then you might come and, do an over-the-shoulder at her, and then you'll do an over-shoulder at him, and then you know it's over and over and over. So you'll you do a scene 50 times. And I think what you're talking about is, is somebody who gives their opposite actor their full attention and their full gravity from start to finish without getting lazy when it's not them on camera, you
0: know? I think, that, I think that's great. And, you know, the idea that, you know, I think the audience just doesn't realize how many times you guys do a scene and how, oh. how different it must be. So, you know, on take three, yeah, you might... Ah, oh, so it. many.
2: Well, and maybe more, because, you know, you might cut halfway through and change a lens or change this or change that or a costume or this. And so that's where the creativity comes as well. And, you know, you want to try and you want to try and find something new every take, while at the same time not do something so drastically different that you're changing the tone of something. And, you know, and different actors work in different ways. And some people love that improvisational way and some people don't. And you sort of have to respect that and be generous as to what they need. And look, some, some actors, I was amazed when I was working like with like Ricky Gervais on Galavant, was, um, I was amazed. His, his performance is completely rehearsed to the nth degree down to the, the cue of his laugh, the tone of his laugh. And none of it's a spontaneous thing. He's gone through and he knows exactly when to beat, beep, 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 beep. And he knows that's the rhythm of what it is. And he does not go off it. Sort of doesn't matter what you'll do. He'll keep on that rhythm. I mean, within within scope. you know. And some people are just really loose. And the script is almost inc- it's inconsequential. They know who the character is. So they'll just say whatever. And it sort of doesn't matter what you said. They're not interested in your cue. And if you don't say the right line, they'll just go off on a tangent. And sometimes... Depending on what you're doing, the best that magic can come out because it's it's like a happy accident, you know, and you sort of want those those accidents to where the magic happens. I think.
1: So which one are you? Are you the the loose one? Or are you the completely by the book?
2: Um, no, the, I'm I'm very not completely by the book, unless I have to be. But I'm not. I'm very. I just studied Commedia dell'arte, which is. Um, an Italian form of improvisational theater where you you just know who the character is. And so if you know who your character is, there are like a, a set amount of characters. The, the, it's not these, but it's the peasant, the cook, the soldier, the farmer, the courtier, the duke, the prince, the princess, the king. And so all of those people have a definite hierarchy. The king will always talk down to everybody else. Everybody else will talk up to him. But the courtier will talk down to somebody and up to somebody else. And so, if everybody knows what their hierarchical position is, you don't need a script because you know exactly how you'll how you'll be with each different person. And I just think that's brilliant, and I love that. So I'm I'm very very loose, and I'm also sometimes a giggler, which is to my own chagrin. I'm um, a terrible <laughs> yeah. giggler. but um, but I try to be really loose, and but but to be that way, I should state like to be that way, you have to be incredibly. You have to know your your book perfectly to be able to do that. You can't sort of just rock up and make it up as you go along.
1: I mean, I am not an actress, but he's done a few like short films, and he's tried to to put me in them. And I'm also a giggler; like I'm just laughing the entire time. Like, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't do it professionally.
0: Were there any sort of ad libbed uh, Jacques lines in here that you remember? Oh, sure, I'm sure there was a lot of. Uh, <laughs>
2: Well, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I I'm sure it. they were really, um, they were amazingly generous actually. I mean, you said, I've watched a few Hallmark movies and I know what the Hallmark world is about. So I, I was surprised that they were as generous um, in terms of uh, looseness of script because it was, I, I sort of tested the water on the first or second day not that like the script wasn't good or anything. I just, you know, you want to just give what you can give and see if some, you throw enough stuff at the wall and hope some of it sticks. Mm-hmm. And they were just so easy going. they're like, yeah, great. I think because you felt, they felt like I got the character and and that stuff I think gives um, body to the soup. Yeah, yeah. No, it gives
0: it some authenticity, some, some realness. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes I have someone told me at drama school, don't put your hands in your pockets i don't remember going people have their hands in their pockets all the time what are you talking about like you know what i mean and so i sort of think it's a bit a bit like that within 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 reason but especially with nowadays the amount that people watch the saturation of media that people have Mm -hmm. people have a much better parameter of understanding of of what's authentic and isn't because they've seen so much people maybe watch an average of three hours a day. So, yeah,
0: that sounds like, right.
2: yeah, you've got to, I think you've got to sort of up your game. Like you've number one thing, you know, I it was learnt from the stage was you have to respect your audience. If you spoon feed them, they'll know, mm-hmm. I think. So, and it's like children, like you've got to like my raising my kids, like you just got to talk to them like they're an adult from the beginning that's how I'm we're doing it but you know you have to do that and I think it comes it comes full circle
1: so as we know Jacques in the movie is a poet but I learned that you are also a poet yourself yeah um so I did want to shed some light on your podcast the poet's voice Mm -hmm. and if you want to talk a little bit about that I think that's awesome that you're trying to like push for poetry to come back and make it popular
2: Well, I mean, I've always just sort of done it. A lot of my friends, I mean, I've always loved poetry. My father was a poet and it's a big part of my life. And I was always sad because a lot of my friends who are really well-educated, Oxford, Cambridge graduates would call me up because of their wedding or a funeral or something and say, how, what do you think is a good poem for this, that, and the other? And I'm like, you should know one, you know, not, not like in a anyone, but like you should know them. Like, you know, we live in an age of, of gone through a hundred years of the most fantastic poetry, like poetry went through this incredible boom in the 20th century that really took it out of, or, or put it into a more accessible uh, vein and language changed so dramatically because of Ezra Pound coming over to England and you know, T.S. Eliot and W.H. Auden. They really changed the English language. Anyway, and I sort of just wanted to make poetry really accessible, and I know that one of the reasons is that schools don't do it very well, and make it seem a bit sort of prickly and inaccessible. Um, and so I just did a podcast trying to try and make it make people feel like it was accessible. And I think half of that is um, that meter and rhyme aren't taught properly. So when people see it on the page, they're not they don't know how to read it read it in the way that it, they should. And I got taught because I. I, um, I had a terrible, I still have a terrible lisp and I had to have speech and therapy for years and years and years. And like, in my private life, I had have a lisp, enormously. but when I'm, when I'm like, on, it goes away because I'm thinking about what I'm doing, but I've got the biggest lisp and um, I've got what, what we're talking about, poetry. And, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so I, uh, I just wanted people to sort of feel like it was something they could access and because of speech. I did this speech therapy. I, I, poetry was, um, helped me a lot because of sibilance and all of this stuff. And, uh, yeah, I just think it's, for me, it's like a tonic, you know, against depression and anxiety. And whenever I'm down, I read a poem, and that's like what that really, really helps me get better and move on and feel like I'm part of a bigger collective. And I, you know, I think it can be a real remedy like that. And so I just did the podcast as my favourite poems read in a way that I hope people could sort of, then when they read it, they had a voice in their head and um, I mean, it seemed really popular. I I haven't done much recently because um, we have a, a baby and it's just been so time consuming and our house just at the moment isn't big enough for me to find a quiet corner to do more. Otherwise, But yeah, poetry's yeah. having a big resurgence because of Instagram, but it is a lot of the stuff that, Ah, oh, it's, it's difficult to sort of talk about, but a lot of the stuff that's really, really good just isn't mainstream.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. And I think people, I think oh, people think it's a bit like jazz, and it isn't. You know, good poetry should you should be able to read it and know what's going on. And I think just the the thought that it isn't puts people off. Whereas if you just dive in, you'll you find it. So I just tried to make a selection that I thought people, and that's how I write my poetry too. Like I feel like. You don't want to listen to a pop song and be like, oh, what was Britney saying? Like, <laughs> you want to be like, yeah, I know what she was like, Ooh, let's go. Or, like, you know, at the end of one of Sia's songs, you don't go,
0: mm, what did she mean? Swing by the chandelier. I don't know. What's is the chandelier the sun? Is that what I'm trying to take? Yeah, me? is
2: it, it the euphemism for? I don't, just don't get it. So, you know, poetry should be really easy and fun and accessible. And it used to be the pop music of, life people would remember a stanza that's that's like people remember a hook of a pop song yeah instead of people going i go hum, 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 they'd be like you know there was the swallow swimming medley medley, or whatever whatever it is um, <laughs> so um i am a big i'm a big proponent for it especially i think now with um the busy busy world that we live in i think it's nice tonic to have a little something you can just recite in your head to just whoo, take a breather
0: oh, for sure i mean there's screens everywhere you know and even just oh. picking up a book for a little bit like it just completely changes me at the end of the day i always make sure to, to read something at the end of the day yeah. it just brings me down yeah
2: it's savage isn't it the amount of screens yeah you can't live
0: i mean we're raising our
2: it, our son hasn't seen a screen hasn't looked to the phone or a television or anything and it, it's a lot of work to oh yeah to not do it you know even like in a bus station or whatever like it, the, the map is what's it called synchronic or what's the word
1: digital like or
2: ipad digital like ha oh, such a headache everything you know, the the walking the lights everything so i just it's it's overwhelming i find it's, it overwhelming
1: it's a lot no it well, is. Well, yeah that's why i loved when i saw it i was like that's so cool because i don't really know anyone my age that's like reading poetry i mean i've always loved poetry mm-hmm. your his dad is Huge on poetry, so he like is constantly giving me books oh, and poetry. Great. So, but yeah, like I just I just love that, you know.
2: Well, I think it's also as an actor, you've got to have a hobby, because most of the time you're not being an actor, you know. Yeah. So what are you gonna do with your life? And I didn't want to sort of feel like like what was I gonna do with all this time? So I just okay. cultured some hobbies, basically that 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 meant something to me. So. Like I am a amateur entomologist. Uh, I love it, and I go and collect butterflies, and I pin them on, and I get the Latin names, and I you know oh fascinating. Do you,
0: do you do, like the the handwritten? Oh
2: yeah, <laughs> all of it, all of it. And I get the right paper, and I get the right the little boxes and the pins, the different pins, and oh fascinating. My mother-in-law just sent me a butterfly from the north of Australia. It was the best thing in the post. Just this little thing in like a makeup box. It's the best present I've ever got.
1: Oh like well if we, we do you want us
0: to send you some butterflies? I'll <laughs> yeah, so we'll um, some North Carolina butterflies coming your way. I
2: don't know if it'll get through Australia. Um, <laughs> oh, the border control here. What is it's,
0: what is this? Why, why are there dead butterflies?
2: Like, why... here? <laughs> yeah, they are fierce. I had a my grand my my grandfather had a shot uh, like they he lives in Africa, they lived in Africa and he shot a cheetah, you know, in like 1930 or something, and we had this cheetah skin. Um, this ancient thing and when i moved to australia i brought it with us and uh, it got axed at border control and they're like no can't bring it can't which like fair enough because it should be endangered species and everything like correct but they, i had to prove that we had photos and like from it being shot over 100 years ago and all this kind of stuff so i don't think a butterfly is gonna flutter by its way here
0: what uh what other hobbies do you have that are mean? no that's it
2: Poetry, that's it, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's the, the no, I'm The last few years I, I wanted to, um, I write letters every day. I'm a prof- prolific letter writer to my family around the world. And my cousin suggested I try writing a book a few years ago. So I've now written a, a travel book and a memoir and three novels and a screenplay and um working on a TV show. So like, write, I write a lot. So I, I wake up every single morning I wake up at four o'clock in the morning every morning and I write from four till 11, baby feeding in between. But like, that's been the big part of my life is religiously four o'clock in the morning. And then I have like quiet time to write. That's incredible.
1: Well, I was going to ask if you weren't an actor, what would you be doing you think? But I'm thinking maybe writing. <laughs> I think,
2: uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'd, yeah, I'd like to have a, I'd like to, I grew up on a farm. So I'd like to go, uh, own a farm. My wife wants to own a macadamia farm. I don't know why.
0: What, what kind of farm you would, you, know, what, what
2: kind of, would you own? What would you want? I want... I saw the other day... Oh, what's it called? What are those nuts? Cashews.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Do you know what a cashew nut comes from? Do yeah. you know what a cashew nut is? See, I didn't know. It's don't from... Know. It's like this little... I mean, imagine the cashew nut in your mind. Right. Same thing. And then you... Underneath a small little red apple. And that's how it grows. on the outside underneath, hanging there like a little moon bean. And the apple you can eat and ferment into a wine and then the cashews obviously the cashew and
0: they grow on trees like that like single fruit single little cashew i just found out the other day i was fascinated so that's what it would be it would be a cashew farm (laughs) have some have some wine on the side wine and cashews wine
2: cashews apple i'm i just am fascinated by it and i put a i put a picture on on social media i was like you know wtf do you know what this is and the response, "Oh, my, I must have got a thousand messages, people are like, "You haven't tried cashew wine is is lit." And like <laughs> And like it's this whole like cashew community, the so cashew community. If, if I wasn't an actor, I, want- I would become an avid member of the cashew community. <laughs>
1: um well I think we have one more that we usually do we call it like a proud plug uh where you can talk about what you have coming up if you have anything and then where our listeners can find you if you're on social media if you want them to find you
2: sure oh well I'm not very good at all that I'll be honest the proud are you maybe you could do my proud plug for me
0: okay
2: um, sure I've got a couple of projects and um, I can't talk about them because I haven't signed the contracts okay um Often, you know, I've got a few art listed, I'll do this, What let's just do proper like, um, what's his name, what's the Irish TV host, what's his, um...
0: is it Graham Norton?
2: Yes, I'll do the Graham Norton. well, you know, look, I've got a couple of things in the pipeline, I can't talk about them right now, but they're very exciting, I really wish I could share them with you, but just, you know, hold your breath.
0: I mean, we're gonna hold our breath. We're
2: gonna yeah, hold our breath.
1: We will, and we'll we'll tag you and stuff so people can find you, which mm-hmm. I'm sure they're already following you.
2: Well, hopefully there'll be um, something uh, something more with the Hallmark family. That
0: would be lovely. That
1: would be very
0: and fun. And then we can do another podcast. We'd, we'd, we'd love, love to, have, love you to back. have
1: you back. We'd love to have you
0: back. Honestly, like it just, it really means a lot to us that you came on here to talk to us.
2: Oh, I'm so happy. I think you guys are like, great. I just love listening to your voice. You got really, um, wonderful voices to listen to your cadence is great like I, I always listen out for that sort of stuff i i think it's great I, I hope you i'd love to see you review other stuff and grow and i i you know if if this helps you in any way i, I that would be wonderful i just think you're great
0: thank you i mean on, yeah hopefully i would love to see like you said hopefully more hallmark I'd love to see that Hopefully another hallmark and then we can we can do a reboot that'd be great that'd be cool. so much
1: fun
2: <laughs> Ciao.